Get out when you're on top, not when you're on bottom. Hey, 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 hello. It's me, Jake. Welcome. It's episode 64 of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. I have a great guest this week. My friend, my new friend, Ms. Pat. I met her uh, when I was in Indianapolis early this year. And so I'm going to tell you about her in a minute. Uh, Indianapolis, that's a place that I went. Where else am I going? I'm, let's just, I'm going to bust through these because I want to get on with it. I want to get on with it. I know we got to get on with it. All right, this week, October 6th, this Sunday, I'm going to be at the L.A. Podfest in uh, Santa Monica, California. I can walk there from my house, everybody. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, check my website, jakethis.com, and you can link to the L.A. Podfest. Or you can Google L.A. Podfest. You'll be able to figure it out. It's not that hard. Uh, October 16th to 20th, I'll be at the Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So if you live in St. Paul, don't be afraid to make the drive over. Uh, or even if you live in the uh, Minnesota area, this is it for us. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, or Western Wisconsin, Northern Iowa. Come on. Do I have to teach you all about maps, too? Uh, come on up to uh, Minneapolis and see me at Ac- Acme Comedy Company, October 16th to 20th. In uh, November, I'm going to be at the Denver Comedy Works, November 7th to 9th. Downtown November Comedy Works, no, November, Denver, November Comedy Works, November 7th through 9th. Come on at Let's do it. Uh, I'll be at Chicago at Zany's in um, downtown on Wall Street and out in Rosemont. On November 15th and 16th, November 17th is a big benefit for my kids' school at Magicopolis in Santa Monica. Believe it, you can still get tickets. Go to my website, checkthis.com. Click there. You can. You, it's a big show. It's not just me. It's Greg Fitzsimmons, Derek Hughes, Owen Smith, and Lori Kilmartin. In uh, November, the end of November, beginning of December, I'll be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at the Improv. And then December 5th through 8th. That's right. I'm taping my new special. How many times do I have to tell you? How Do you need me to beg? I'm begging you. Please get some tickets. Come to Hilarities in Cleveland, Ohio, December 5 through 8. The Saturday night is when I'm going to be taping. But it's going to be fun all of those nights. And, uh, you know, we can hug. We can get our pictures taken together. We can drink a Christmas ale. I don't know what else you want from me, but that's I got all that going on. So let's make that happen. We're all sensitive people with so much to give. Mm-hmm. Who's that? Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. Ah, there's nothing wrong with me loving you. There's nothing. Nothing. And so, and so I do. And I'm glad that uh, you're listening to the show this week. I tell you, I, I, I had the best conversation with my new friend, Ms. Pat. I met her when I was in Indianapolis. She's a comedian there, and she's super funny. And, uh, you know, sometimes one of the great things about stand-up comedy is you get to meet a lot of people that you wouldn't otherwise get to meet. And the the, the job description <laughs> for being a comedian, uh, there's a lot of different people who are doing it, but they all have, you know, enough in common that... Uh, that even if you're really different from somebody, you can get to be you can get to be friends with them. So uh, Ms. Pat came down and was hanging out, and she did a guest set, and I saw her comedy. We talked a little bit. She is very different than me, and she has had an amazing, amazing life leading her up to the point where she's doing comedy. Uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, uh, and just let's get into it. But I do want to say, if you feel like you're judging Miss Pat at the beginning, just know that. I, I, she she is a good person, and you need to listen to her whole story, if you would, please, because she she has done some crazy stuff, and not all of it is good. 
Not all of it is good, but she is a good person. And uh, I really love talking to her. And I look, I hopefully, when she's back in town, I'm going to get to talk to her again. So uh, here you go. Without further ado, my friend, Miss Pat. There's nothing wrong with me loving her or you loving me or us loving each other. So let's get on with it, right? Let's quit goofing around. This is enough winking and touching each other's arms. Let's get down to business. Let's put on some music and dance. Oh, you know what I, my question is? What? Do you want to be called Miss Pat by everybody? Yeah. Because I feel like that's your stage name, but everybody calls you that too, right? Everybody calls me that. Because you know what? Um, I figured when I came when I came into the business, I said, "Well, how do I make them respect me?" Uh huh. Because I knew I wasn't fuckable. <laughs> I was past my prime when I came into show business, so I was like, "So I just made, I say what what?" Because I was gonna name myself Rabbit. Uh huh. I record. Yeah, yeah, we're on. Okay. Uh, I was going to name myself Rabbit, and I was like, no, because that's my drug dealer name. And I was like, oh, I don't want to drag that chick over into this chick, these two different chicks, you know. Right, and that's over. That's behind. That's that's all done. Well, I bring out Rabbit when you mess with me. She'll Uh beat you up. Oh, so it's like a split personality thing. I think it's three of me. I've, I've come to a group that's three of me. It's Patricia, Patricia Lee, which is married to my husband, and it's Miss Pat. She don't like... Miss Pat don't date fat boys, so she don't like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> then you got Rabbit, the drug dealer, who Miss Pat had to speak for all of them. Uh huh. So, not that I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I just know when you piss me off, I know it's almost like the credible hook. I know when Rabbit is about to come out. You just got three three gears. Three gears. So you just yeah. shift gears. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's all you in there. It's all me in there. It's just different. It's which, which one you want. Yeah, well, I've, I got a feeling I want Miss Pat, right? I mean, it seems like the way you broke it down, I'm going to take Miss Pat. I told my husband, I was like, Miss Pat don't like you. Because I go home as Patricia, like, Miss Pat do not like you. Like, Why don't you put on makeup? I said, because Miss Pat don't like you. You're too fat for Miss Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Your husband, man, he's got a big job, right? Yes, he do. Miss Pat likes sitting at the bar and looking at younger boys like, woo, should have kept my virginity. I could have been here now. <laughs> I don't think I don't think these young people care so much about virginity. No, you know why? Because they want old women to take care of them. The cougar stuff wasn't popular when I was, at least I didn't know about it. Wasn't popular when I was coming up. So now they want, if they get with you, they want your Medicaid and your, your they want your social you security Medicaid. check. <laughs> they want everything the government is giving you. I'm not going to share my shit. I got old by myself. Why should I come in and give a young boy my dental, you know, help him out? I'm going to yeah. for that. I well, don't you, need that kind of spice. But you're not old enough to have, you're not getting Medicaid, are you? No, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield. I'm married. Yeah, that's what I have, too. Yeah. yeah. That's what I that's have, That's because somebody got a job in my life. <laughs> but if not, it'd probably be uninsured. Oh, this guess what? This is how I get my insurance. My wife is going back to college as a grown woman, and they offer student health insurance. Oh, wow. So we're buying, because it's, cheap, it's cheaper than if we bought just insurance, just went out and tried to buy insurance for ourselves. So we get her student health insurance, and then... They allow for the fact that some students might have a have a spouse. a spouse and a kid, and so so we got that. So I'm her. I'm on my. I'm in the spouse <laughs> on my wife's student insurance. Well, I'm paying for her college, so I feel like that's fair. 
That is fair. Yeah. She get educated and you get your balls sicked out. <laughs> well, I don't know. You have to uh, not well, not as. I hope you get your. I hope yeah, you every get once in a while. Yeah, we okay. Oh, look, I'm not going to complain <laughs> about my sex life. This is early in the show. Mm. Not sex life. I mean, a yearly. Oh, yearly, once a year. Yeah, I'm not yeah. talking oh, about your sex. Sure. I don't care what you do with your sex life. I don't see you like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm I, like, I couldn't tell what you were talking no, about there for a second. You no, know, you know when the men go out and get their balls checked out once a year. What is it called? Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh. I do. Well, forget about that. Yeah, that's but that's well, one thing. We're not going to discuss your sex life. No. <laughs> okay. And I'm not going to talk tell you about my colonoscopy either because that's you don't want to hear that. <laughs> but. Uh, so you're in town. What? T- so you've had a, you've had your meeting, your showbiz meeting. You're yeah. coming back for another one. Yes, in two weeks, October the seventh and eighth, over at Sony Studios. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. I'm more excited about touring the grounds. I don't know what they're in the office talking about, but I'm so excited about just wow, this place is pretty. I didn't see no trash on the ground, and I was trying to get pictures, and my my manager's like, put the fucking phone up. You gotta act like you belongs. I'm like, I am a tourist. <laughs> well, it's okay, I think, to be a little bit of a tourist. I, that's what I used to say. I was telling you when I first moved to town, my friend and I would would talk about, you know, how weird it is to be in L.A. And you know, when you drive up to that lot, and you tell the guard your name, and he says, "Go on in," and then you, you kind of just—it's like no big deal. But if you were just walking by a week before that or a week after that, and your hat blew in there. Somebody else would have to go get it. They wouldn't let you go in there and get your hat. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it was nice. I, I like seeing the facility. I would like to see the whole facility one day. Yeah. I hope. But who knows? Well, maybe you're going to get your own show. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so what was it we were going to wait and talk about when we got in here? Can you remember exactly? Um, being a landlord. Being a landlord, yeah. Ah. Uh. That is the worst shit in this economy. And, you know, it, it get worse. And, you know, I voted for Obama twice. But the second round, I, I mean, I truly think, I don't really know what Obama doing. I did it mainly because maybe he's a little black. And mainly I figure out. He's a little black. Yeah. He's a little black, y'all say. <laughs> but I figure, you know, you have 40-some other white men mess up the country. Why not let this one black man? But ever since he's been in office, nobody wants to pay. And I don't know before then because I wasn't a landlord, but everybody have an excuse. My tenant is late every month. And I had to tell, I said, if you be late one more time, you're going to get your shit and your little boat, them thick-ass glasses, and you're going to leave my property. Because I am sick of you. If I go over your house and you got a new tattoo, but my rent is late, I should be pissed off. Yeah. You took my money to finish filling in your baby daddy name. Fuck your baby daddy. <laughs> Pay me my rent on time. She got. <laughs> she got, a, she new got a new tattoo. Yeah, she last time I was on her, she was filling in her baby daddy night. I don't know him. Give me my rent. Mm-hmm. You know you gonna have to hold off on that tattoo. I don't care if your tattoo is not finished. My rent is due every twenty eight to thirty days. This lady is never on time. Mm-hmm. Never. Do you have to go collect it yourself? Uh, no. But guess what? I, I threaten her, and then she don't want to pay the late fee. So I'm like, how you not gonna pay me my late fee? And I tell them all the time, I said, I try, I, my new tenant that I have, she's been there three years, she's not really new, but my old tenant, I sued her on Judge Joe Brown, so I tried to give her a hint that I was a little crazy, so just happened when she was moving in, I was on Judge Joe Brown, I said, you need to go watch me on Judge Joe Brown, because this is what I would do to you. You're telling the new tenant, tenant the, to check you out 
on Judge, on Judge Brown. With the old tenant. With the so this old is the last tenant. person who used to live here. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what I did to her, and this is what I'm going to do to you. But she didn't get the hint. She st- she laid all the time. She don't tap your property. That's hard to find somebody not to tap your property. But she laid all the time. Then they went, and I'm, I mean. How late? Went, How late is late? 15 days. One time it was 20 days. Then they was like, you can't help a sister. Bitch, you're not my sister because we both will happen to be born black. You're not my sister. Give me my rent. And I don't know why. I don't know about your people. My people think just because you black, you're supposed to look. I don't know you. Bank of America don't hook me up. Yeah, well, you got to pay your mortgage whether somebody pays your rent or not. That's, exactly. that's the problem. Exactly. That's the problem. But they don't see that. You know, a sister out here struggling. You're not my sister, bitch. I need my money. That's. It's funny how some people kind of turn it around in terms of you loan them money or they've got a relationship where they promise to pay you and then they don't pay on time and you realize, oh, I got to... You're acting like I owe you something, but but you owe me something, you know? Jake, do you know how many people I saw in my neighborhood get beat up for 5 and $10? Beat up? Literally beat up. We lived in... I lived in, in the inner city of Atlanta and this guy ran a liquor house. You know what that is, right? A liquor house? Yeah, liquor. You know, very country. He sold, like... He sold, like, liquor on Sunday, beer and wine. So it's not a liquor store. It's, it's just a a, it's store. like a little private business that's yeah, secret. That it's underground. It's, it's underground. underground. Yeah. And so this guy had been in there drinking all day, and I guess the tab was like $15. So he's like, fuck you. I'm not paying you. Get up and go out the door. The man who owned the liquor house came outside with his knife and stabbed him in the eye. And I'm sitting there as a kid like, damn, my eyeball is worth $15. <laughs> Did he have to go to jail for that? I mean, Hell no, he got in his truck and locked his house up and left while he out there with a knife stuck in his face. <laughs> oh my God. After we moved to these apartments, I, st- I literally stopped going to see wrestling. I was like, wrestling is fake as fuck. What goes on in my backyard is real. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on in your backyard. I mean, that's a little beyond wrestling. Somebody gets stabbed in the arm. He stabs him in the eye for $15. Tab. And then, you know. Now, I'm the- just trying to understand it. So, the guy who drank the liquor, that's the guy who got stabbed in yes, the eye. The, yeah. guy, the man who owned the liquor, I think his name was Mr. B. He said, pay me my money. So, the fight kind of came outside the argument. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you. I come over here every day and get drunk, and you don't ever give me shit free. He popped his knife out. He got in the car. Going, like he going to pull out, stuck that hugger right in, right in his eye. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I grew up thinking eyeballs were worth $15. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough neighborhood. That's it really tough neighborhood. wasn't a tough, you know, when you're in a tough neighborhood, you don't see it as a tough neighborhood. You just see it, you just see it as a place where I live at. Because I saw a lot when that crackhead just hit the black community. And um, i tell you another story. Like, I saw needles laying everywhere in my neighborhood. So I would Like pick- hypodermic needles. Like people that inject themselves with yeah, like, well, yeah. They, well, yeah. Hyperdermic. Not sewing needles. Not sewing needles. No, not sewing needles. Hyperdermic needle is your term, if that's what you say. With injection, to injection make an injection, needles. right? So yeah. I see these needles laying everywhere, and I saw my mama shoot up every day of my life because my mama had diabetes. Okay. So I would pick up the needles and take them. Hey, mama, everybody got diabetes out here. I said, put that nasty shit down. But my next door neighbor was shooting heroin. Heroin, whatever you call it. I call it heroin. I can't pronounce it. What do you call it? Heroin. (laughs) Heroin? Yeah, what is it called? Heroin? Yes, that shit. Yeah, but I knew what you meant. Yeah, so. White people's drug. Yeah. How do you think? We only shoot diabetic medication. (laughs) Black people don't shoot up drugs. No, they smoke crack and weed and other shit. Okay. Pop the mollies, I guess. So, um. What's that? 
I don't know. That's that new people shit. That's that young people stuff. Nowadays. Yeah, nowadays. What is it called? Pop the Molly. Pop the Molly? Yeah. What the hell is it? It's something with a cocaine and heroin or something. I don't know. Mixed together. That's a bad idea. It is a bad idea. So, anyway, but my neighbor used to shoot heroin, and I would see him, but I thought he was shooting diabetic medication. But every time he would get butt-ass naked, I'm about 11 years old, sitting on the porch, and he would run over to me. My nickname was Rabbit. Rabbit, get the rat out of my ass. And there I am, looking up this man's ass, looking for a rat. And I figured out, I was like, there's no rat in your ass, J-Bear. You have diabetes. Your diabetes messing up. <laughs> that you thought it was his diabetes, but it wasn't. He was high on him. Yeah, he was high. I figured out later he was high. And he would have me looking up his ass. You see the rat? You see the rat? I was like, no. Uh, I see some hanging in the front, but I don't see nothing back. How old were you? That's a- 11. 11? Oh, my God. <laughs> Where's your mother while that's going on? In the house growing weed. She's growing weed in, inside yeah. the house with lights and stuff. You know, I don't remember no lights, but she would grow her a joint or two. <laughs> she just have a, like a one plant growing yeah, by the plant. window? I don't know if she ever smoked it, but I remember, like, we, we lived in a neighborhood that was, it was infested with crack. And the, the rent dogs, that was the police department, they would bust up in the house and they took her weed plant. She showed her ass. It's like, we can lock you over there. For that shit, I wait a long time to grow this and you going to just come take my shit. <laughs> That's what she tell the police. They broke in your house to steal one pot plant? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they bust in our house, but because before we moved there, it used to be it used to be a house where they sold drugs at. Oh, I see. So they thought so, it was the other people. Yeah, we had been standing there like a month, and I guess they wasn't watching it good enough and realized the other people moved out and we moved in. So they burst up in there. And my mom was growing her little fruit, her little few weed plants. And my mom was a pack rat. So they tore out everything. I mean, shit had been packed up for years because we never really unpacked because we were so unstable. So my mom had all of these um, clothes and shit stacked in the shower and they pulled out all of that shit. My mom was like, well, who gonna put this shit back? <laughs> That's what she told the police. Just to dig through it to look and see if there's any other drugs are in there. Oh my God. Yeah. But then, would you, do you mind talking about your... See, when I met you, you were telling me all these great stories, and so I was super Just excited ask. to have you on the Tell podcast. Me, what story you Well, want? so what about then when... Because you had told me that then you were you were selling drugs. You were involved in that yeah, a long was, time ago when you were just a girl. Uh, I was... When I, I had my first two kids when I was 14, 15. So I started dealing crack at 15 because it was only two things I could do in my community. Sell drugs, sell pussy. Because a man who was your kid's dad was, he wasn't helping. No, he wasn't. I was 12 when I met him and he was 22. Oh my God. So he dropped these two kids off of me and I was like, well, at the time I needed a work permit. So I couldn't That's get how a you job. say it? Drop these two kids off in me? Yeah. <laughs> he made a baby. He made two babies. It didn't like he just didn't stop the car and get hand you two babies. Yes. You had you slept with him. twelve years old. You were twelve years old mm-hmm. when I met him, and I got pregnant at thirteen. He had the first one at fourteen. Oh my god! And then I had the second one at fifteen. Mm-hmm. Then I got pregnant again, and I ended up having a abortion. Oh right, yeah, you're yeah, because I couldn't, I, I couldn't deal with no more of that. So I started selling crack because really I needed a work permit to even get a job. 
15 years old, you can't work nowhere in this country at 15 without getting a work permit, and you're only allowed to work a few hours a day. You're supposed to be home doing homework. Going to school, right? Yeah, going to school. So I was like, I can't buy Pampers with three hours a day of McDonald's. And it was back in the 80s, so I think minimum wage was three seventy five. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, like I got to do something. You know, I don't have time for this school shit. I got to I gotta grow up. I got kids. So every, like I said, crackhead just hit the black community. So I started, I saw all my friends turning into zombies. And I'm like, what are y'all eating? So I went out and found out what they was on, and I started selling it to them. Oh my God! Did you? Well, you're so young. Did you? Did you kind of connect up that that was like you were part of what was killing these people? Or no, you don't do that when you're trying to stay alive yourself. Yeah, that's almost like a. That's almost you're like a, a kid. Eagle, not you're just a, a bird. kid. Yeah, you're just a kid who's doing what you got. In my mind, survive. I wasn't a kid. In my mind, I was a fucking adult. Uh huh. I was a grown woman. And it was crazy because I had this, I would sell drugs on this corner and people respected me. Oh, that's rabbit, this rabbit. And you know, I had like, I had a learner license. I probably had like seven cars that I owned with a fucking learner license. I had to have. That you bought with your drug money? I bought with my drug money. And I literally had to have crackheads in the car with me so I can drive on my learner's license. Because <laughs> you're not allowed to drive unless you're someone's in the to car. Drive but you're already breaking the law because you got drugs in the car. It doesn't. But I matter. guess you keep them from getting. You don't. They don't pull you over, right? Yeah. They didn't pull me over much because I learned how to drive from a crackhead. So everybody respected me, and I remember one day we were standing around. Michael Jordan was. I never forget. We had just went and bought. I had just went and bought like the whole blocks of Jordans. Michael Jordan had just hit the scene, and then everybody. You was bought going, them all what? Jordans, Jordan tennis shoes. shoes. You Michael bought a, you bought tennis shoes for everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah, for most of the kids in the neighborhood, and everybody. Oh, thank you, Rabbit. Thank you, Miss Rabbit. And somebody was like, "How old are you?" And I said, 15. And most of the kids around me was like, 15. Someone was, I was like, you fucking 15? <laughs> Were you big for your age? Or just did you just look grown up? Or? I act grown. I had huh. my first apartment when I was 14. I, I had that conversation. I had that mouthpiece. I could convince you not to look at how young my face was, but think about what was coming out of my mouth. Uh-huh. I was not big. I had a really nice shape. I looked like a woman. Uh-huh. I guess you would say I, I looked fuckable. It happened. Those were the days, right? I don't look fuckable anymore. You're, you're beautiful <laughs> to me, Miss Pat. I'm not going to get... Look, you're beautiful to me. So, so I sold crack, and uh, the police officer would never lock me up because he knew I was a juvenile. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm not going to lock you up. I want you. What I want is I'm going to wait till you turn 17. I don't want you to go to juvenile for selling crack. I want you to go to jail. So he waited. They would pull me over. I would have drugs in the car. Gone. You go. They just let you go. Let me Where go. are your kids when you're out doing this? In the back seat holding the co- cocaine. Oh, my God. Oh, the co- oh, that's what you told me, that the crack was, what was it? Ba- it's, it's powder. And then I, crackheads taught me how to cook it. Because if you buy it in a powder form, and if you're a crack dealer, if you cook it, it's, it's cheaper for you to cook it yourself. But people charge you more when you... When you uh, when they cook it. Plus, you can step on it back then. You can step on it the way you wanted to step on it. Instead of buying it already cooked and somebody had already stepped on it. I see. So you, you- stepped on, on anyway by the time it get here. But you can do pretty much what you want to do to it once it's not, once it come in a powder form. Huh. Oh, my God. Well, how are, the, how are those kids now? My daughter 
you know what? They graduated. They're not convicted felons. They don't do drugs. They don't sell drugs. My daughter went out to college, came home. She's a manager at Wells Fargo, and my son has two jobs with a baby. He's not a convicted felon. He's not a criminal. They're good kids. They don't match up with their mom. <laughs> I, well, because they caught you, right? They got you when you... Yeah, I went to prison for selling drugs, and um, I had a little money. I had, well, I had a lot of money. I made my first $100,000 at 15, and I had a good, really good lawyer that kept me from going to jail. And, you know, you pay a few people up on the table, so you do what you want to do, you mm-hmm. know. But I, the most of it did, I think, a right out of a year in prison. <laughs> and then when did you retire from all that? Uh, you call it retirement? You well, when did you quit? When did you quit? I don't know. I'm trying to think that what's the right word for it. Uh, I mean, once I you go to once they once they come to get you when you're 17, is that it? You quit? No, I don't quit. I sell more drugs and I leave that and I start forging checks. I stop forging checks. Oh my god! <laughs> now all of this is done and paid for, right? I mean, you you you. Oh yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want yeah, us yeah. to be oh, talking please. about something that people no, are going to no, hear no, and you're going to get in trouble. We're talking about shit 20 years ago. All right. 20 some years ago, my daughter's 27 now. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing I learned in life, one one crime leads to another crime. You graduate. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was only, it's only two ways out. Either you change your life or you end up with dirt in your face. Fortunately, I met a man, and he helped me change my life. Mm-hmm. That's your husband now? Yeah, of uh, 21 years. Not that other guy? No, not my baby daddy, no. No. That guy, roller skating guy. Yeah, he roller skate. He's still roller skating. He's fifty. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, and I mean, he he ended up having like twenty some kids too. Really, the guy, the father of your first two kids. My first two kids. He had twenty some kids, and I still get child support, and the kids are twenty six and twenty seven. How how come we still tr- child support? Is it paying back back child yeah, support? Yeah, he didn't start paying till they was twenty three and twenty four. So he's still paying off their childhood to you. He's still paying off. You know, when you get welfare, you probably don't know, but back then when you got welfare, the daddy was responsible because they felt like, hey, you didn't take care of your kids, so we had to take care of your kids. So when you started to go to work one day, when you figure out you want to get your life together, you still have to pay. So he started paying once he did time in jail for selling drugs. He did 10 years, and once he got out, he had to pay. He went in for 10 years. He was oh a my fool. God. See, what happened was, I left his ass. Then you had nobody there for you, to bail you out, and to keep... Oh, so you were living with him and these two kids? You know what? I never lived with him, and I just realized that yesterday. I called him, and I said, we never lived together. He always lived with another woman, and I always accepted it, which is the weirdest shit. As As if he... As if you're still together with him, but he's living with another woman? In my mind, I was number one. I don't know who told me I was number one in this dude's life, but in my mind, I was number one. But when, I, when I'm 41 now, when I think about it, I was like, how in the fuck do you have a boyfriend and live? Not just one woman. I dealt with him living with his wife, a couple of baby mamas. Uh, I remember older chick he lived with. I remember a girl named Poochie he lived with. And I was always there. He always told me, I love you more. Well, if you, don't, if you love me more, why am the bitch getting punched in the eye every weekend? He, when you live with another woman. <laughs> he would punch you, too. He would beat the shit out of me. But I started Damn beating him it. back. Because I shot him. He shot me, and then I shot him back. <laughs> nah. Even Swap ain't no swimmer in the hood. You shoot me, I'm going to shoot your ass back. Yeah. Well, what did you say at the beginning of that? Even uh, even Swindler ain't no swimmer. Some shit they say in the hood. I forgot. 
Well, I'm trying to learn it in case I ever go. Oh, don't go. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess I don't want to. How did he shoot you? Then how did you shoot him back? What happened? He shot me in my head. I used to think that it was cute. That if he got jealous, my mom told me this thing. She was like, "If they don't shoot you, they—I mean, I'm not gonna shoot you." She said, "If they don't hit you, they don't love you." So over the years, your I just, mom told you that? Yes. So over the years, when he started beating on me, I was like, "Oh, he just loved me. He just loved me." How stupid I was. So um, one day, I had this guy over my house after you know after he done cheated on me and everything. So I started dating other people. He comes over and catches this guy on my house, and they get the fight. So the guy was a pussy, ran out, and my baby daddy went to hit me, and the gun went off and shot me in the back of the head. He was gonna hit you with a gun? Yeah, and it shot, and it blew off. I guess it cracked some skulls or whatever it did. But it kind of like, I kind of like blanked out. And I remember coming to say, motherfucker, you shot me. And he ran. So I called my girlfriend. I said, this nigga shot me. And so I called the ambulance. Like, come that ma'am. You don't know what you're talking about. I said, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I got a hole in my head. <laughs> my God, well, you're bleeding, right? I was bleeding like shit. You ever turn on a faucet and it don't cut off? That shit was skidding out my head. But I was 15, so I'm thinking it's cute. Oh, he shot me. So I get to the hospital. The doctor's like, why the fuck you not dead? So they looked in there, and what it did, I guess it just tore up some skin and went in a little bit. That was a nice hole back there. And I was so ghetto. I was, did it go through your skull into your brain? No, I think it just cracked the skull and went up the skin. I don't Was the bullet still caught in there? No, I don't know. I don't think so. You don't remember? They didn't explain shit to me. They just said, we don't know why you alive. And I guess when you don't have health care, I was just telling somebody this the day, when you don't have insurance, they don't give you the full diagnosis. They just say, you're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, you're done. We're done. High five. See you later. Yeah. So they just cleaned it up and they gave you're me a... 15, you're a 15-year-old girl with two little girls in your house. No, a boy and a girl. A boy and a girl in your house. You just got shot in the back of your head and they're saying, you can go home. You don't spend the night in, in the hospital, even? I don't remember spending yeah, the night yeah. in the hospital. I do not remember. I remember them getting a lot of x-rays. And, you know, I remember him saying something like, he cracked your skull. Mm-hmm. And the police was there. Because I'm 15. So, you know, they looking for like, what the fuck is your mom? And I was like, I don't want to press no charges. I love him. Oh, my God. And I didn't press no charges. Really? No. And where was your mom? So you moved. I don't that's, that's what I wanted to ask because you moved out of your house, her house, when you're 14. Mm-hmm. And is that because you had your own money from your that business? That because I divorced. No, I wasn't a drug dealer then. I went to the court system with the caseworker, and she showed me how to divorce my mom. Oh, that's right. You told me because that was kids. your third pregnancy, and you wanted to pregnancy. divorce your mom so you could make your own decision about yeah. that third pregnancy, right? Yes. So I ended up um, getting my rights. Being emancipated minor, and I divorced my mom. Mm-hmm. How did she feel about that? I don't. She. We never discussed. I don't think she ever know I divorced her. <laughs> really? <laughs> You're fourteen, moving out of the house, and she doesn't ask you any questions about that. You, she question. sees you, knows you're pregnant. Then you, then you're not. She you know what? I was. I'm writing a lot of stories for my project I'm working on, and um, uh, I remember when the first time I told my mom I was pregnant. It was a white lady living next door to us, and she had a black husband. They used to jump on her all the time, but she had lots of kids, and she would kind of like listen. And one day she told me she's like, "I think you're pregnant," and I was like, "Oh no." not pregnant and she's like i think you pregnant so she gave me a a pregnancy test she's like you pregnancy i was like i don't want to tell my mom at the time my sister was 15 and she was already pregnant and uh she was like um i want to tell uh, we need to tell your mom so i said well you tell her i said what if she hit me 
and she was like, I don't think she's going to hit you. So, because my sister was already pregnant. So she told my mama I was pregnant, and I'll never forget my mama look up at me and said, well, at least the welfare check will go up by another $50. So I look at the lady like, well, I guess you approve. And I went on my way. <laughs> I guess, you, you know, you already had two kids, so she didn't. No, I didn't have any kids. That was my oh, that first, was the first one. That was the first one. First one. The first one, she didn't get upset. You were 12 years old. I was 13. 13. No, she didn't care. I met him when I was 12, and I met him in the summer. So my birthday is April. So uh, I turned I turned uh, 13 when I was pregnant, when I first got pregnant. Doesn't that seem just, you know, now you're a grown woman and you've you've been a parent all this time, but doesn't that just seem crazy? Yes. Like when your daughter turned 13, imagine. What I was a 15-year-old. And she's a virgin. And I have a 27-year-old that was not getting laid at 15 or kids. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's, it's something wrong there. But when life is passing you by so fast and this is the norm for you, you really don't, it really doesn't affect you. Or you really don't think of, wow, this is really fucked up until you grown. I didn't realize how young I was. We're kind of skipping ahead, but I didn't realize how young I was until after I, I, I had two kids. I got married, then I got custody of my sister, four kids, because my sister was on crack. Mm-hmm. So my sister, my uh, my daughter go to school, and she had a family project. I just want to make sure everything is working right. Yeah. We, my sister, my, uh, my my daughter had a family tree project, and she said uh, she had to stand up and say, my mama's name is Patricia, and my mama uh, is 24 years old, and my daughter was 12, and the teacher was like, uh, there's no way your mother can be 24. Um, I was like 24, 25, but I uh-huh. remember my daughter being 12. So the teacher did the calculation. She was like, sweetheart, that cannot be right. And then my daughter said, <laughs> my daughter said, she looked around and said, uh, my mama is 24, 25, and then uh, the teacher the kids was like, why your mama so young? So my daughter said, she asked, so the kids were like, how old is your mama? They was like 40, 50. They was like, well, why y'all mama so old? And when that teacher called me and said, your daughter said you was 25, and I said, I am 25. And she's like, I am so sorry. I had no idea. Uh-huh, yeah. She didn't realize that she it could be. Real- she, she couldn't even believe that it could possibly be true, right? Exactly. But then when, yeah. That'd be, that's when it kicked in. And I was like, don't ever tell nobody how old I am. That's, the, when you, I that's the first time you realized. Because I'm at the time, you. wait, at the time you had, what? I had six kids. I had my sister four kids and I had two. You're taking care of your sister's kids too at 24 years, five years old. And they gave me my sister kids. I got, I met my husband when I was 18. They gave me my sister kids when I was 19. So I had six kids at 19 Nobody ever questioned was my mindset right? Was I was I able to do? It was a fucking struggle. You'd already met your husband, and you already yes. then quit quit your. I had quit all the illegal shit. Uh huh. And then you get handed four kids, four yes. more kids, and a welfare check and a Section A certificate. So and then my husband's family is going preserve. How don't stay with that girl? She got too many kids and da da da. He had just got out of the military. A good guy had no fucking kids. He loves you, Miss Pat. Yes, he loves me. You know, and I wasn't thinking about having a baby by him because I had too many kids there already. Right. And people are like, why would you stay? I don't know why he stayed to this day. Cause I would have left me. Oh fuck you! I'm out of here, but you crazy? Cause <laughs> he loves you. Yeah, he truly yeah, loves me. Yeah. Did so? Did you have a, did you have kids with him then? Too? I had two kids, and I, I did, with him. 
Yes, later so, on. By eight, by six, well, I've, I've been with him 21 years and my kids are 15, so what's that, six years in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, had, I had to go get fixed to have kids by him. How do you mean? Because um, with this fucker dogging my body out and from you know abortions and all of these giving birth real young i had when i had an abortion i almost died but i didn't realize it they damaged my um cervix Mm -hmm. so it made my cervix weak i guess because when you when you in the hood and you go to these abortion clinics and you know they got somebody practicing on you so i I was what 15 when i had an abortion and it was like a new doctor i guess an abortion not and they was like practicing so he damaged something he damaged something and so when i got pregnant by my husband the first time the baby just fell out of me literally fell out of me and they was like well you have a weak cervix so i had to have a cerclage Mm-hmm. But to make a long story short, I had never been, I had never had a man in my life like my husband. So when I when I um, miscarried our first baby, which is trauma to most women, yeah. but I had been traumatized all my life where I had this blockage that nothing would hurt me. So losing this baby was like losing everybody else in my life. I keep it fucking moving. I don't care. So make a long story short, my husband, they was like, well, the baby's not going to make it because they tried to make me lay there. And he said, if you can get about three or four more weeks, you know, the baby would be developing. The eyes would be open. So I'm sitting there. I'm in all types of pain. And they was like, the baby started to come. It was nothing they could do. My husband busts out crying. So I'm sitting there, this hood rat. I, I almost out of my hood rat stage. And I'm like, fuck are you crying for? What the fuck are you crying for? Who cry over a baby where I come from? We can do this shit again tomorrow. And my husband looked at me like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, Well, we wow. could have did it again tomorrow, and we got No, I, I, get, I, get, <laughs> I get where you're coming from, but I just feel like, man, that is some, that's some strong, like, suck it up shit, Miss Pat. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and that's exact. I mean, that's that when you, I think when you've been through what I've been through, uh, just pain, period. You have to find out a way to keep yourself sanity, you know, with a straight mind. Because I had kids to raise. You know, I right, can't be right. around here drinking like my mama being depressed. So how mm-hmm. do I beat depression? I block that shit out. I have no feelings in this world. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Because I had a dude that who I thought I loved with all my heart and who dogged me the fuck out. So when you got everybody, when you almost feel like everybody's against you, I learned that people people handle things in certain ways. My sister mm-hmm. got on crack to handle her pain. I think I blocked shit out. It didn't exist. Uh huh. And then that's how you wound up with her kids because she was she was on drugs. She was on drugs, and I had them yeah. for ten years, and she got them back. Now her kids is on drugs. Whole different story. Oh my god. Well, I wanted to back up because I because we kind of left off. You were talking about something about you got shot. In your head, yeah. You go to the hospital, and I interrupted you a little bit because you were saying something like, "This is how ghetto I was." Oh yeah, this is how ghetto I was. Um, when he shot me in the head, I called my girlfriends, and they all run down now. All my friends always been older than me. I've never liked young people. So she was like, "He's you should tell him locked up." I was like, "Shut up, bitch! He loved me. We going to the club tonight." And back then, finger wave. You going to the you going yes. to the club after he shot you? Yes, let me tell you. So we we I was selling dope in these projects, and we was hanging out with the dope boys and stuff. And everybody was like, "She got shot in the head." So when they shot me, <laughs> I told I told my friend. 
I was like, bitch, you got to fix my hair. She's like, how do I supposed to fix your hair with this hole in your head? So at the time, finger waves. Remember when black people used to get finger waves? They was really popular. What does it look like? It's like, kind of like, like what swir- I got now. Yeah, the, the, the swirly, swirly down, but it sticks to your head it and kind of waves So my down, girlfriend yeah. finger waved around the bullet hole. So- <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we at the club dancing, and my little wound just running and shit. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, when you said that he shot you, he shot you, and you shot him. I thought that was going to be like right after. I didn't know you'd go out dancing first. Oh no, we went out dancing. I shot him a little while later for just shit he was taking me through. Yeah. How did that happen? He, you know, at that time he was like, "I'm gonna live with you. I'm tired of all these hoes, you know, lying and shit." So he dropped his clothes off, and he don't never come back. So I'm like, you out in my car with these hoes. So I had a 22. I said, well, I got a 45. I got a 22. Which one do I shoot this nigga with? Do I shoot him to kill him or do I shoot him to let him know I'm not going to take his ass? I'm not going to take this shit. So I figured he had already shot me. I owed him a bullet back. So <laughs> I saw him growing up bankhead. That's in the lounge. He go to this tie shop. Fuck that shit. I ain't got to come on. I'm done with you. I said, oh, no, motherfucker. You're not dumb. You take my dope money. You spend it on these ratchet bitches. Ratchet wasn't even a word back then. But you... you What's ratchet mean now? Ratchet is ghetto. But well, back then it was the uh-huh. ghetto. So you spend my money on these ghetto bitches and all this, your baby mama knocking on my door. So I said, okay, I got something for you. I said, I was going to shoot the shit out you. He like, shoot me, bitch. Shoot me, just throwing his legs in the well. And I closed my eyes and pulled that trigger. And I, pow, hit that motherfucker in his ankle. And all the black men at the shop, they dropped their tools and they ran their ass off. I bet. I bet. Shot and him I in the ankle. With a twenty two and it broke his whole leg. Yeah, if you hit the bone right, it's going to... It broke his whole leg. And that wasn't shit. So I go down to the hospital, right? And I, 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 he laying there in the emergency room. And I said, I shot you so I could take care of you. He told me, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to tell him you here. So I wait to his ass. You wait, you sh- you're telling him I shot you so that I could bring you home. This is like that movie with... The- <laughs> James Conn, where she breaks his leg so he can't get out of the house. Exactly. Misery, right? You, yeah. you shot him so that he'd have to come home and stay home. Yeah, but what I didn't know, he wasn't going to act right. So I shoot this motherfucker, and I picked, I go down to Grady Hospital to pick him up. He got another baby mom there. Like, oh, now I'm pissed off. So I'm like, bitch, I shot him so he could be with me, not be with you. So the most of the baby mom Like if you go me. hunting, you get to keep what you shoot. Yes. <laughs> So, make a long story short, I ain't going with you. So he got this cast all the way up his ankle because his leg fucked up. So I said, you not going to get in the car? I said, okay, motherfucker, I got something for you. I jump in my car and I run his ass over. <laughs> Break it. Wait, you hit, you hit his car or you hit him? I hit him with the, You hit him with the cast on? his cast and it, and it was raining outside. And the bottom fell out because the cast was brand new and mm-hmm. it got wet. So he running, trying to get away from me in front of the hospital. I'm all up on the side. I'm going to kill you, motherfucker. You got this bitch. So that's rabbit right there, right? That's rabbit. And it broke, <laughs> it broke, it, it broke the cast and messed the leg up again. Mm-hmm. And they, <laughs> I remember him laying in the grass, and they come out there to pick him up with a scratch and take him back. Did you get in trouble? Did the police come and pick Never you up? Never did I ever get in trouble. So, did he come and live with you after that? No. We live with the other hoes. <laughs> yeah. I could see why he might be a little nervous about moving in with you. <laughs> I don't think after that I'd want to go to sleep in your bedroom, you know? I don't think he thought we would kill him, but he had lots of baby mama. I just, I think I knocked out more chicks than Mike Tyson ever knocked out men. You think you did? I know I did. 
So you're fighting with women, you talk. Oh, yeah, oh you're fighting mama. with these, these Bitches. girlfriends. Because your... I would catch him in the bed. One time I caught him in the bed with two women. No, three women. One was at the foot, two on the side. So one of the girls, I go in the room and I... What, are they passed out after some kind of... Drinking and fucking? Uh-huh. So I goes in, because he had a house. So that his wife left him in, because you know he was married. So his wife left his He apartment. was married when you when he started with you. Yeah, so his wife was, him and his wife was living in an apartment. So she was like, fuck it, I can't take all this cheating, I'm gone. Rabbit done got pregnant again. So she left. So he kept the apartment. So I go over there, and I don't peek through the one. He in the bed with two bitches, and one at the foot. So I go and I kick him. And I said, what the fuck you doing? God, I don't want to hear that shit today. I said, you in the bed with three bitches? So one of the girls got up and ran. But one of them jumped up and I remember her from my neighborhood. She said, bitch, I ain't going nowhere. So you know one of those gin bottles with the ridges in it, the little knots? Uh-huh. I hit that bitch so hard upside her head. She said, there, I'll see you tomorrow. I said, I bet you will. And we fought like dogs. You hit her in the head with a bottle. Yeah, not she didn't fight me. He fought me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, you hit her with the bottle and then he fought you. Cause she jumped up and said, "I ain't going no fucking way." I said, "Oh, bitch, you going?" And then somewhere. he fought you. Yeah. He would always fight me after catching with his hoes. And you, you were still a little girl then too, right? I know. I you was didn't... like fifteen or sixteen. Oh my god. Oh, I caught him with so many women, so many women, so many women. But you didn't give up on him for a long time. It was about 11 years in. And, then, you know, I tell you, we're kind of jumping to the end, but what made me really give up on him, AIDS. Um, he could I, still, sorry, but I, I want to let you continue, but he could still skate after you shot him in the foot. He still skate right now. Yeah. Okay, so go. go. He, what really made me realize that it was, I said, you know what, Lord? I said, I used to go to God and I used to pray. And I said, oh, Lord, please, Jesus, just change him. I love him so much, Lord. I would just love him, change him. And, you know, after the girls and the venereal diseases and putting your hands on me, spending my money on hoes. And I just went to God. One thing about, one thing, one truly thing I believe about God is that, that, that you know, he listened to everything you say. Because the time I went to him and said, you know what, Lord, and this was my prayer. I said, fuck that nigga. Change me. I said, I'm tired of the hole, the baby mama, the diseases. Cause, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't get AIDS. Yeah. I'm really... I'm, because I, he got you gonorrhea and all that. Yeah, gonorrhea, crabs and fleas, whatever he could drop off. He dropped them off along with a couple of kids. Mm. So I said, you just change me, Lord. Change me. And I tell you, I went to bed and woke up and did not desire him. I still remember the last time we ever had sex, and I'm laying there like, oh, get the fuck off me. Mm. And I never loved him again. So before that, you'd been in love with him, and you thought, change him. He, yeah, he, you I want him to change because you're in love, and then you switched over to change me. Yeah, I just went and prayed one day. I said, fuck him, Lord. Change me. I said, I've asked you for years. I said, fix me. Because I got kids. If I die, it's nobody here that's worthy to take care of my two kids. Mm-hmm. So, and God changed my heart. And then, and then how does that time out with the, with your quitting your drugs and meeting your new husband? You, and this your... is how God had my life lined up. I prayed that prayer on a Monday or a Tuesday and I slept with my kid's father. That Thursday, my brother, girlfriend called me and said, Hey, you know, my friend Ronald, his brother just got out of the military. He's in town. We should all go out and hang out. I was like, Oh, I really don't want to go nowhere. I ain't got time for that shit. You know, cause I'm, I'm trying to get my life back together. She was like, come on, rabbit, go, go. And I fucking went out sitting across the table from me was my husband. How long after that prayer? Three days. 
My goodness. Three days. And you want me to tell you something? So he come over. At the time, I'm forging checks. So he comes over. He started giving me a ride. So I was like, hey, you give me a ride, I'll get you a couple polo shirts. He's like, I don't want this stolen shit. And he would sit outside the store and wouldn't say shit. And just say, give me $5 for gas. It wouldn't take nothing. I would come out of the store. Hey, you want this nautical watch? He was like, no. Oh, you'd go in and do the check thing. He wouldn't take any of the stuff, but mm-hmm. he would he would go with you because... No, he wouldn't go with me. He would give me a ride. And at the time, I didn't think he knew what I was doing. Uh-huh. So I would go in and I would do it. I would do my thing and come out and offer him, like, polo shirts and, you know, shit. He's like, I don't want this shit. What are you in there doing? Because to me, I had all the street knowledge, and my husband was a lame. You know what a lame is? A person like person like that's not really aware of what's going on. You know, uh-huh. ain't no hip person. Back yeah, then, yeah. we called them lame. Uh-huh. They might call them squares now, whatever. So, yeah, to yeah. me, he was a fucking square. He didn't know what was going on in the world. He, he didn't know how to hustle and get, you know, get fast money. All he knew was serve your country and go to work. You yeah. thought you were the smart one. I was the smart one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that, that that reminds me now to come back. It's like, because we're talking about all these different things kind of at the same time. So, But you just reminded me about, you were talking about how when you stopped with your... Uh, or you, or you transitioned from the from the drugs over to the check thing. You were talking about how crime, one thing leads to another one. Mm-hmm. What made you get started with the check thing? And what what what, what, what the hell? How I got started with the checks because when I was selling dope, the crackheads were writing checks. So I was like, they were coming out and have TV. I was like, where y'all getting all this shit from? Brand new in the box. At the time, Circuit City was on. I said, you can't just run out of no store with no TV and no box. You know, I'm from the hood. I know that. So uh-huh. they was like, well, Pat, they was like, no, Pat, they was like, Rabbit, well, we buy checks. I was like, what the fuck you do with checks? And they was like, we write them. I'm like, how do you write checks? And the crackhead taught me how to write a check. Mm-hmm. You go in now, and that's why I say people have to be really careful with their identity. You go in now, and um, they taught me back then. If someone took your traffic ticket, mm-hmm. you could um, you could um, you could erase it with fingernail polish remover and write your information on there. And back then, the telecheck system had just became big. So you know, if you had wrote a check before, that was even good because once you put that check through, everything prints out on that paper. Your, uh-huh. info, your license number. That's what people don't know. Uh-huh. So. I don't, it, I'm still, I don't really understand. You explained this to me before when we were talking about it, but can you, t- uh, can you like, okay, break it down when, a little? When you, when you, back then, when check, I mean, when, when forgers, when I first learned how to forge a check, when I first seen crackhead forge checks, that if they took your license in Georgia, they had to give you something because ID. So you can't walk around with no ID. Oh, so I see. They would you take your ticket. they would take your driver's license and away you from you, ticket. and you would get your traffic ticket. Yes. Right. So if you had somebody old traffic ticket, you put two traffic tickets and a piece of carbon paper together, and you pull fingernail polish over it. Remover mm-hmm. and it removes all of that writing on it. So when once it dries, you stick the carbon paper between it and fill out the person information on the check. Oh, I see. That was so, your ID. So, so your those traffic tickets are now like your, your driver's, driver's license. license. And you can cash checks on somebody else's bank because no, you got that. No, you go write your checks like you was that person. Yeah, yeah. As if you're that person. Yeah. But don't don't you have to have their bank account number or something? You got their checkbook. How do you have that? Because usually y'all leave them in the car and somebody breaking your car. Oh, I see. Somebody, so you steal the check and then you make up the, the ID to match yeah. the check that you yeah. stole out of the car. You say we leave them in the car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about comedians? <laughs> no, white people. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't leave my checkbook in the car. I don't I, use a fucking checkbook. Well, nobody does checks anymore, really, right? Nobody. Yeah. No. But you know, I bet I, your tenants do, right? That's how I you don't get take them. checks from black people. How do you do your rent? Give me a money order from the post office. Huh? Yeah, because you can't take a cashier's check, but those are fake now too, right? Everything is fake. So you don't send me no check. She know not to send me a check. You go to the post office and give me a United States Postal Service money order. I'm from the street, bitch. You're not tricking me for 30 days. Hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Postal Service. What about PayPal? Do you take PayPal for I don't your take rent? PayPal yeah. for my rent. Yeah. Cause I, I'm I'm older now. I don't know about all this computer shit. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a way to fake everything. Just send me a money order, and I'm gonna call and verify if it's real before I put it in my account. That's all I ask. From the post office, yeah, because otherwise you get the you. Not only do you not get your People money, but they ding you ten dollars. People make fake money orders now. Really? Oh my god, this world is so crooked. You'd be surprised at the shit they got. Going well, on. you're kind of talking about. I mean, I realize you don't live in the neighborhood that you are talking about. You started out in, but you know. Like, when I was growing up, well, I never lived any place where there was somebody's house you'd go over to and he's got a liquor store in the house. It sounds <laughs> even like it was not even just a liquor store. It's like a bar. He's talking well, about a liquor was, house. Like, you could buy liquor, but you could also sit there and, and drink. drink. Well, I, I grew up in one of those. My grandfather had a liquor house. Back then, people was drinking a corn liquor. Remember corn liquor? That's like homemade, right? That's that homemade stuff. My granddaddy sold that. So I grew up doing that. I mean, I'm not doing it. I grew up in that house every day where when that people, when they got drunk on the weekend, my mama would have me steal their wallets out their pockets. And for every wallet I stole, I got $5 per person. <laughs> that was good money for an eight-year-old. Yeah, no, I hear you, but that's some bad parenting pay- right there. Well- and also bad business, don't you think? Don't you think that's bad business? Like, if you were running a bar and then stealing people's wallets when they came to the bar and got drunk... <laughs> That's just well, not like well, how many know, repeat customers like so they came every weekend. Really? Like, hey, last time I was here, I couldn't <laughs> find my wallet. That's weird. But I, no, I put the wallet back because I didn't want your ID. And oh, I you just you, take all their money. I out take of the all their money. And they were so drunk. They didn't know if they had money or not. Yeah, they might have drank it all up. Yeah, yeah. boy, that that uh, corn liquor, that moonshine. Cup, moonshine. Right? That's, exactly. So that my stuff is like moonshine and single bills and cigarettes and skin. Single bills? What do you mean? Single, single beer. Oh, just like one beer. One can of beer. You yeah. Can beer and cigarettes. Yeah. Single cigarettes. And how many people would hang out there? Would most people come and just buy it and leave? Or would no, you? boy. On the weekend, our house was packed. People was dancing, and it was so funny because when you walk into our house, which was supposed to be a living room and a dining room, my granny had built him like a homemade bar there. So he stayed behind the bar, and he had a big old white refrigerator. And don't ask me why he's keep change. You know the change that you pull a car with a chain. A he chain, wrapped, a yeah, car chain. He wrapped chain. that around the refrigerator, and he kept his refrigerator locked, locked so you wouldn't drink his shit up for free. Uh-huh. So that all of this was behind the bar, sitting in the living room. So it's like a, it's like a, it's like a bar, it's like a house party mixed with a bar at the yes. same time. and you, and you, uh, he sold you shots. I can't remember how much they were selling for. I want to say 50 cent to a dollar, but he sold little shots, and everybody would have shots, and the music would be playing, and Mama would be sitting over to the side waiting on, because we had a cue. Her word was, he's ready. If she said he's ready, I knew he was ready for me to get his money out of his pocket. He didn't know it, but we knew and how so how many there's music going on so it's sort of like a party it's right? like a party every weekend only different with our house other than a bar is that you get to spend the night if you chose if you choose to 
So you will wake up in the morning as a kid with 20 drunk people laying on your floor. You just step over them. And they would be, you would know them. Like, nobody, nobody's showing up that you don't know. Like sometimes I knew them, sometimes I didn't know them. But somebody knows somebody, right? Everybody knew my granddaddy, which was named 38. Right. That's a, that's a kind of a gun, too, right? Yeah, that's what he shot a woman with, standing on the porch. I seen him shoot a lady two times with a 38. With two 38s, because she called him a big black faggot. And you don't call black men faggots. They don't go for that. So, Man, what was that? What, what the he hell? He was kicking her out the house because she was being her ass. And he's like, you got to go, bitch. So she said, that's why you're a big black faggot. And she he said, I got your big black faggot. It's called hot lead. So he shot her with both guns at the same time. Hit her. Did he hit her? Hell yeah, he hit her. So I said. So he went to jail. So I'm standing there with my grandfather. I think she was the lady. And I'm like, granddaddy, are you going to jail? He said, hell yeah, I'm going to jail. And he looks over. My aunt come out the door. Daddy, you shot this lady. And he said, he said, fuck her. Go pull the lookout before you call the police. Hey, nigga ain't trying to go to jail for that. But you just start shot this lady about 12 times. Go, go pull the, oh, pull, pull the liquor. Put the liquor away. Yeah, yeah go pull it out. Uh-huh. He was more worried about getting a, a, a moonshine charge than he done shot this lady about eight times in front of our door. Did he kill her? No, but he fucked her up. They gave him 15 years. They was going to give him life. Had she died, but she didn't die. She died like a year later. They gave him 15 years. And he, Did he me, do it? Did he, was he in for all 15? I, I assume he was because I was a little you girl. You were little, yeah. So he looked like he was like in his 50s or 60s then. But he could have been in his 40s because he was an old, big black man with no hair at the top, long salt and pepper plaits, like a black, big black Indian. That's what he looked like. Hmm. And he used to have a hands of, he had gorilla hands. I seen my granddaddy beat a nigga up. He rather been shot in the face than to take that ass whooping. Oh, if you, really? Your if granddaddy you act, was yeah, how big? Act, how, how tall? He wasn't a real tall man. I would say about five nine. But just big hands. Big hands. I would see him knock people out and they wouldn't wake up for a week almost. What a no, week is maybe a little bit long. What, well, maybe they didn't want to wake What kind up. of work did he do? Was he just running the liquor house? He always time? ran the liquor house. That was his whole living. Nobody worked. I didn't know people had jobs where I come from. Maybe the people who came into our house, but you know, on a daily basis, this was in our house. Drunk people, the number man. You remember the number man? Just made me remember that. Well, I've only heard about the numbers man from, the number from man gangster movies and in. stuff. I don't know. Oh, yeah. He was a big black. Oh, what was this guy's name? I, I want to ask my sister what was his name. I think it. I can't think of his name. And the number had to do with the stock market or something. It's right? like the lottery now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they played it, but my mom used to pay fifty cents and shit. So he would come over in the morning, get their money. He would come back in the evening and let them know what they hit. That's something my granddaddy did too. Don't let me forget that. But that's something my granddaddy did too. He played numbers. So on a daily basis, you have you would have the number man sitting there and my granddaddy selling moonshine and me robbing people. I don't remember. In no the drunk. middle of sort of a drunken party, too. Yeah. In right. The I mean, of... it's not. It's not like it doesn't sound like it's. I mean, it, all that makes it sound like it's just some bad crime thing. But it, but actually, if we you were if you time. were there, it would it would seem more like you were just at a house party. Because on the weekend, my granddad would sell like fish sandwiches and chicken sandwiches. And <laughs> you know, you now you're making it sound like that'd be a fun place to go. What? It, that's all I knew, so it was fun. You just gotta leave before the kid steals your wallet. Well, they didn't know I was stealing their wallet. Cause yeah, I, but I know now. Because, so when yeah. I go with you, we're getting out of there. We're gonna have one drink, a fish sandwich, and then go. <laughs> fish sandwich. Yeah. So you know, it's a, I don't know. 
I mean, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, when you're a kid, you just don't you just don't know. You don't, you know. don't know. You think you think your environment is what everybody is going through. So then, so then you meet the guy who's going to be your your husband. That's right? years later. Yeah, years. Because I had a stepfather who used to tell my mom his name was Curtis. And he used to tell my mom he said you shouldn't have this girl stealing out of people's pockets. So he was like, "This is wrong." But I'm thinking to my stepdad, you know, you fucking hating. I'm trying to get Pac-Man money. I don't know what she doing with her hair. I'm trying to get Pac-Man money. Yeah. I don't want to do yeah, it. Play yeah. Pac-Man. Right, but you see where he was trying to be a good. Now I do. Yeah. Not back then. Mm-hmm. So, life went on. Yeah. <laughs> so I what? I, yeah, it's just like I kind of know don't know where to pick back up on the story because I'm kind of feeling like we want to jump back up to where we were talking about that period of time from when you meet the man who's going to be your husband up through when you get your sister's kids and all that. That must have been kind of a... You were getting straightened out and starting to be happier, right? Yeah, I was um, I was trying to get my life back on track. Because at the time, I, I was a convicted... I mean, I still am. You know, I was a convicted felon and all of these new laws was going into play about people. You know, that's back then. They was giving people three strikes you out and I already had two. Right, so you really need to get cleaned up, or you really could go need away to get for life. Up before I could go go away for life for selling drugs, so um, I'm, at that time I'm trying to get myself, you know, back together. And I get in, the, I moved to Riverdale, Georgia, and I'm getting, you know, I dropped out of school in the eighth grade because I had two fucking kids. So I'm trying to get my GED. I'm trying to raise these kids. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to make my brain wrap around. You gotta live like normal people because I'm used to. What I thought was the best in life. You know what I'm saying? Fast apartment, fast car, much money, much money. But it, it doesn't work like that when you go out and get a fucking 95. You know what I'm saying? No, you just yeah, can't go no. in and drop $300 on tennis shoes. and You know, you just can't go and do this and that when you're working for $5 an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, it was, it was really, it was shocking. Because I, and I, I used to always say, well, who the fuck do this? You know? I'm used to, I had a trap that made ten thousand dollars a day when I was like fifteen. Oh, trap is trap is your where you corner sold your where drugs you yeah. yeah, I had a corner that made like fifteen thousand dollars. So when you making that kind of money, fifteen thousand a week? No, a day. A day. I used to make a lot of money. I had some dope dealer friends that would give me all the dopes. All I had to do was just give them back their part. And how how did you protect yourself in that situation? I don't know, because, uh, you know, I got shot in the titty. Yeah, you, yeah. well, it's, I suppose that I, that's would be a good yeah. time you could tell that story, but you were talking about that. You t- you do that one on stage, so maybe that's a good one to save for your stage if you don't want to talk about it. I now. mean, I don't care. I tell it in a story form and a joke form, but, you know, that's one of the reasons why I got shot in the titty, because the boy didn't like me, and everybody knew me, and everybody wanted to dope that rabbit head. Was it better? Fuck yeah, I had the connects. Uh-huh. And so well, after you went to jail then two times, then you decided, look, I got to get rid of it. I went to jail many times. I had a good lawyer. I think I only got, I got two or three drug offenses. So after I was getting myself back together, I just said, my husband, was. we was talking one night, and he was like, you got to give it up. So I stopped. But it was hard. It, was it couldn't hard have been the first time. He probably said that to you a few times before you've... 
people threatened to leave. By this time, I, I said, I remember telling myself, I don't love you, but I like you. Give me a little time. I will grow to love you. You're married to him. Not at that time. Not okay. at that time. Not at that time. I said, I don't love you, but I like you. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I don't think I loved him when I married him. I'm, I think I more married him for security. Because I, it was like, I, I was telling my friend today, I said, it's almost like I had an ad in the paper. Now looking for baby daddy. Must have all teeth. Must not punch bitches in the face. And must have a job. And your tennis shoes have to be clean. The tennis shoes have to be clean. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want to put up with any dirty tennis shoes after all that you've been through. <laughs> so I looked across the table and I was like, "Well, you answer my you answer my job application," but he didn't know it. Mm-hmm. But he did. And y'all have been married how many years now? Did you say twenty-one years? Twenty-one. Twenty-one years. Man. So you got I, oh, what's that story? You told me that story about your daughter, kind of fighting arguing with you and she said uh i guess i gotta kind of practically tell it but then you can retell it a little bit where she says something like uh i can't wait to put you in the nursing home oh yeah my daughter says uh she tells me one day she's like you make all these jokes about me being gay i can't wait to put you in the nursing home i'm like child we are 20 years apart we're gonna be in the nursing home together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a coin toss, right? Who's putting who in the nursing yeah, home? We probably be broke down around the same time. Cause when I'm with her now, people always like, "Oh, is this your sister?" And I, I you know, I'm, I'm doing all, these, I'm getting all these stories, and I tell her, I said, um, <laughs> "It's so funny because I tell her, I said, I asked her, I said, do you remember a lot of this stuff?'" And she remember a lot of this stuff. She said, "Yeah, I remember you putting the cocaine in my panties." I was like, "You do." Because I sold drugs in front of her school. I, my corner was in front of her school. So I sold drugs. Let me say this now before you're listening go crazy. I was there before they put up the no drugs on schools. <laughs> now, you know so that's I was, a, you No, know, I was grandfather You're not saying that as if that's an excuse. You're no, saying but that I like was you know that. that's a joke. No, but I was there first <laughs> before it was ever no drugs on. Are you telling me you didn't know it was wrong to sell drugs in front of a school? It was no, those signs wasn't there. How so old when those, were you when that was? When I you was were about doing? 15. So when so those signs were, came along, I was grandfathered in. To be honest, you were you were a kid at that Hell time. Hell yeah, I should have been over at her school. You didn't know what you were you should have been in the school. Well, that's the thing that I worry. It's like when when I first met you and you were telling me these stories, and you're just such a you're just such a. Um, to me, you seem like such a happy person, you know. And when you tell these stories about uh, about your life and your past, I mean, one of the things that draws me in, and really the, the reason that, that I kind of wanted to talk to you and have you on the podcast, and I want to be your friend and I want to support you I and like try you, and. Jake. Well, you, that's we're good. It's mutual then, but but. It's it's just that feeling of that, you know, a lot of people struggle in the world and have, um, you know, they get depressed or they feel sorry for themselves yeah. for, for, for good reason. Sometimes there's yeah. not a bad reason. If you if you're feeling desperate, you know, that's you got a good reason to feel desperate. But they're, they're looking for some way to kind of deal to kind it. of turn it around and deal with it. And it just feels to me like you really you really got a little bit of a handle on that. What is it? I think it stems back. And it, um from my fourth grade teacher that I had, a lady named Miss Troop. You know, 
it's like it's like it's almost like God had it set up from the beginning. And maybe she was there to just drop this seed in me. And she told me as a kid, when I was really poor and I really didn't have anything, and my mom would send me to school dirty, this lady told, she would take me to the bathroom with a black bag and she would change my clothes. So the other kids wouldn't talk about me. And she would stand outside the bathroom while I washed up. And she would come in the bathroom and comb my hair. So I remember one day she was combing my hair and she said, and well, let me back up. She said, she was told me before this ever occurred, she said, all I need you to do is get here early. If you get to school early, I'll look out for you. And she was there. So I never had a toothbrush at home. I never, I don't know how I got fucking pretty teeth to this day. It was you never brush your teeth before Ms. you? Miss True brushed my teeth. She had a toothbrush and toothpaste. But when that's I, not till you're in fourth grade, so you're not, you're 10 years old at that point. Uh, something like that, third or fourth grade. Yeah, I don't remember. But you know what? I had Medicaid too, so we had we went to the dentist. Like the, back in the day, uh, when you poor, they can't. They knew parents was messed up, I guess. So they brought this van and it called like a mobile dentist. So uh-huh. I, I would grab our Medicaid slip and go up to the mobile dentist. Hey, can I get my teeth seat about? Mm-hmm. So, but Miss Miss, I don't. I don't remember having a toothbrush. That wasn't required. You get up and brush yeah. your teeth. I don't remember that. But Miss Troop would take care of me. She would comb my hair, give me a bath, you know, in the sink, in the school, and make sure I was clean. Before school. She was just your teacher. She was just my teacher. And I remember her combing my hair one day in the bathroom, and she said, Patricia, she said, uh, she said, uh, she said, you could be anything in the world you want to be. She said, all you got to do is believe. She said, a person without a dream is a person without a soul. And those words, I mean, you literally, this lady literally did not say much to me while she did this for me almost every day. Uh-huh. Those words stuck with me. Should she, she'd just be your teacher, though, for just that one year. But I was still in elementary school, so she still took care of me. Oh, so you'd see her at that school yeah, even school. after you were not in her class yeah. anymore. So well, back then, I would say this, back then, you moved up with your class. You remember that? If you if you, if you if you was a kindergarten teacher, you moved to the first grade with your class in second grade. Oh they no, I didn't, we didn't have it like that. Yeah, we that had wasn't... it like that in Atlanta. Oh, that's a lot of times your your teacher moved up a grade. They bounced your teacher around. So uh-huh, uh-huh. for some reason, I only remember her being my teacher once, but she was always in my elementary school life. I went to a school called English Avenue in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's closed now, but she was always there. And you know, she ne- I don't think she ever told anybody what she did. It's almost like I remember this lady, but I was like, "Do she exist?" Because everybody was like, "Where is she?" You should look Ms. up. Miss Troop. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna ask. You, I don't dude. know where she is. I Miss Troop used to freak me out because back then it was in the seventies, and she wore long eyelashes. That's what I know they are today. She wore fake nails, which I know like back then she was like out of some magazine. Real beautiful dress, nice figure, tall black lady, and I assume she had on a wig. But I used to say. Why do she look like this? Nobody looked like Miss Troop. And Miss Troop was the sharpest bitch at the school. That lady was sharp each and every day. Mm-hmm. Leather skirts, leather jacket—you know, stuff you only dream of. It sounds almost now like it, yeah. it like in, it, you could you could have made her up. You know, no, you just like you there. needed a fairy godmother, and it, you no, just no, made no, her she up. She was there. She was there. Miss Troop, have you tried to look her up? Have you no. tried to go back in school records and stuff? I, the school has been closed, probably. Yeah, but I bet you could find. What's her? Do you remember her first name? No, it's Miss True, tall black lady. But you know what years it was? Uh I was about the fourth grade, third or fourth grade. So it was in the seventies, the early eighties. I remember Miss True. I never forget Miss True. T R O U. You. You. It was T R O O P. 
You sure about that? I'm positive. She was not made. <laughs> Sometimes I was like, "Was she made?" Of no, but you know, but knowing how to spell her name, like I don't think my daughter's nine. I don't think she could spell her teacher's last Ms. name. True. I never forget Miss True. I never forget what she done for me. Say but again what she said to you. She said, she said, um, she, she said, Patricia, you can be anything in the world you want to be. She said, all you got to do is believe. She said, a person without a dream is a person without a soul. Mm-hmm. And when she was standing there combing my hair. That's powerful to a kid, too, right? You still remember it now. I st- it? Even when I did time in jail, in prison, I, I would always say, Miss Troop said, I'm better than this. She taught me how to read. Back then, they had chapter I, and they had a, they had chapter I, and they had a, they separated the kids. You had the AB group, you had the CD group, and you had the dummies. So mm-hmm. I always made the CD group, but I was determined I wanted to be in the fucking A group. And she said, she said, I'm going to teach you how to read. And they had chapter I, and a lot of time my mama wouldn't sign papers. Miss Troop did it. Mm-hmm. So she put me in chapter I, and she came in. She would stay early to teach me how to read. Hmm. That's how I learned how to read, Miss Troop. She put me in the chapter I program. Title yeah. I, chapter I, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you'd have been, that would have been older to be learning to read, too. You were behind, right? Yeah, I was yeah. way behind. And I remember that's how I got into YMCA, because she helped me get into the YMCA, which was across the street. Most kids who had, who had both of their parents in the household and who had, uh, who had, uh, you had to pay back then. I don't know if it was $8, whatever it was, but I went to that YMCA because I think she paid for it. Because I know my mama didn't pay for it. Yeah. And then that's so th- all this you were still in that bad neighborhood, but then right after this, like two years, really, two two years later, then you start you got pregnant. Three, a couple years later, I yeah, got yeah. My goodness. Well, you know, Miss True was a part, but I also had a police officer named Miss Officer Smart. He um um he was stopped by. He knew we was. He knew I was having a rough time, and I was like, Officer Smart, when I grow up, I'm gonna be a police officer. Now I think he's still around. He would buy me pencil and paper. A white dude. Uh-huh. He would come through the neighborhood, buy me pencil and paper, sometimes bring me McDonald's, never, ever try to, like, hit on me or nothing like that. And you know what? So I'm glad you made me remember this. When I became a drug dealer, he remembered my name. And when he heard Rabbit, because he knew my name was Rabbit, and he uh-huh. worked in our neighborhood, but he became narcotics. And when he fucking issued that warrant for me and bust the house with all my drugs I had just bought and just fin- finished cutting up, and he busted in that house with that one on my name. And I wasn't there, so they didn't arrest me. But I saw him later, he was like, he, he, he told me one time, he said, broke my heart to know that this is what you grew up to do. Uh-huh. Officer Smart. Officer Smart. And he had a girlfriend working, his wife worked at Grady House Builder. I assume Officer Smart is probably, probably 60 now, because I'm 41. Yeah, Miss Troop must be 60, maybe 65. Miss Troop look old, but you know, as a kid, everybody look old too. Yeah, you can't tell. You can't tell yeah, how old people pro- are. She probably was in her 30s, but to me, she looked old. My mama looked old, and she died at 39. <laughs> yeah, well, I told my daughter that I was 13 until she was like six years old when finally she said, like, you're not 13. <laughs> they don't know how old people. Maybe thirteen is not enough. But four, when she was four, she was like, you're not 13. I know that now. Um, <laughs> Man, well, did you tell me about somebody else in your life that that you had when you to get emancipated? You that was another person. That was my mama's caseworker named Miss Stewart. When I when I Miss um, Stewart. Miss Stewart. Back then, the caseworkers came out to the house uh-huh. to see you. 
and to check on the kids. They don't do that anymore because it's just too many people not taking care of their kids, I assume. So when um, I got pregnant with my last kid, I mean, by the third pregnancy, and I was like, I went to Miss Stewart because she would come by like once a... She came out, like, every so often, like, once a month, or maybe a couple times a month. And so, she would always have free shit, like, shoes and vouchers. And she was like, come on, Patricia. And me and my sister, she said, I got these certificates where I can take you to Buster Brown's. Black people didn't fucking shop at Buster Brown. Because... Uh-huh. You know, it was too expensive, but the government, if you was on Medicaid, the government gave vouchers for clothes and stuff. And Miss Stewart, anything free, she knew how to get it. So she would come around with her Buster Brown certificate, or mm-hmm. all her free vouchers to feed us, and we get in the car. She wasn't ass. getting it free, though, for herself. She was getting it free to help other people. No, she got it people. for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, I'm working on getting some vouchers for some shoes and clothes. Like, that's the first time I ever went to camp. Through Miss. I went, it's funny, because I own a house, and they don't tow it down there. I went to Hampton, Georgia, which my house is in Riverdale, Georgia, and Miss Miss. Uh, Miss Stewart came out. She said, you really need to get away for the summer. Y'all around here, y'all seeing all this stuff. You know, you should go to camp. So my sister went out somewhere else. I don't know where my sister went, but I went to Hampton, Georgia. And um, she sent me there, and all I wanted to do was eat. I could not believe all the food that they fucking had. Uh-huh. And it was it was like mostly white kids there. So the black kids, I saw a couple of from my neighborhood. So I was like, well, they must be the poor kids, too, because I knew I was the poor kid. But that's the first time I ever seen so much, you know, really grass and trees. And kids is jumping off, and they little white girls went hayride, and I'm from the hood. I'm like, I'm not doing that fucking shit. I'm not that type of girl. And the white girls just throwing hair in that. My whole focus was to get to that mess hall and eat as much as I could. Uh-huh. You were hungry. All the time. All the time. And how old would you be in that time? I guess about 10 or 11, I guess. Mm. Yeah, about 10 or 11. And so how how did she help you get emancipated? She Well, when I oh, I was telling you that. When I got pregnant and um, I went to her and I said, I'm pregnant with my third child. I really don't know what to do. I, I want to have an abortion. But my mama at this time saying, I don't want to get you no abortion. I don't believe in abortion. I'm sitting there thinking, but you believe in fucking poverty. You're not protecting me from this grown-ass man, which I didn't see it like I said. Now, you know, I got to do something to stop getting pregnant. Well, now it's like statutory rape. I mean, that's this rape is, back this then, is, but nobody is, pressed charges. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and Miss Stewart tried to get my mama to press charge. But I was like, I love him. He's my boyfriend. She was like, you need to be in fucking jail. So back then, the laws wasn't like they are today to protect the kids. So, uh, Miss Stewart just pulled me to the side. She said, Patricia, there's only one thing you can do to get your own abortion. And I was like, what? She's like, you got to divorce your mama. I'm like, I ain't married to her. And she was like, uh, yes, you are. She was like, I can show you how to become. It's called emancipated minor. That's the first time I ever heard of that word. And mm-hmm. I said, well, what's emancipated minor? saying that even though you're underage, you're able to take care of yourself. She said, happen all the time, every day. And she drove, She picked me up. She told me not to tell my mama. Took me to the courthouse. And I, uh, I filled out the papers. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the process. I just remember her saying, you can go get your abortion now. You can go get your own welfare check. So back then, that's when they gave you, uh, that's when they gave you abortions on Medicaid. And I applied for my Medicaid and my welfare. And when they came in, I went and got an abortion. Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, I get what, here's what I'm thinking we'll do. Because we've been having a nice talk and we're kind of at a good spot to take a break. I, and to... Here's what I'm thinking. Tell me the tell me your transition from meeting your husband and kind of getting becoming the 
you know, yourself, who you are now, and, well, and, and stand-up comedy, then we'll stop doing this for a while. We'll go meet my wife. You and I can have some lunch. If we want to talk some more, we can do that. Otherwise, I want to talk to you when you come back to town, if you have time. Okay, no problem. Right. I, um, um, after I was getting my life back together, like I told you, I go out to a, I go out to a, a comedy show. Bruce Bruce was hosting it. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend was like, "Um, oh, you know, he's in town. His brother in town. Let's let's just go hang out with him." So we had a fucking comedy show and a lip singing. So Bruce, Bruce, and there he is sitting across from me. And I was like, "You just answered my baby daddy ad." So after that, I started like dating him, and he's like, "We're moving too fast." And but wait, you met him at the other date thing, or this was the date? This the was Bruce, the Bruce date thing. thing was the date. The Bruce, yeah, we uh-huh. went out. And so we we, we goes out, and uh, I asked him to spend the night, and. What, what, blew, what blew me away about him and he didn't try to fuck me I was like is he gay nobody spends the night with you and not try to have sex with you and he just kept coming over and so he was over one day and uh, I was out writing checks and he was like look I can't keep keeping your kids so he knew I kind of started to tell him how fucked up my life was so he wanted me to keep get my kids one day he said if you don't keep if you don't get these kids I'm gonna touch them I said oh hell no y'all get in the car with me so I go out and I do what I do you know illegally you know forging checks and shit I come home and he done cooked us a full course meal but while I was gone the rent people knocked on the door and told him I was gonna be evicted and he's like, why haven't you paid your rent? And no I, kidding, you're making a fortune, Miss Pat. I Pat. don't know. I moved all the time. And I was like, oh, fuck that shit. I, you know, making up excuses. So I was like, drive See, me over there. Maybe this landlord stuff is kind of goes around, <laughs> comes around, but, you know. Anyway. <laughs> so he was like, uh, I was like, take me to my daddy. My daddy will give me another apartment, my real daddy, because I started building a relationship with him. And then he was like, uh, and we kept going looking for my real daddy. And he said, i get you an apartment. And I was like, you would give me an apartment? He's like, yeah, I don't want to live with you, but i get you an apartment. I was like, well, I can't pay the rent by myself. That's why I'm getting kicked out. Because we were kind of like just dating. We had never How had can sex. you not pay the rent by yourself? You're making $15,000 a day. That was after the drugs started All to right. slow down. All right. All and right. the check started to pick up. So you didn't save any of that money? Oh, no. You go to jail. You spend it on lawyer. You spend it on bonds. Yeah, yeah. You, have, you, just, you think it's going to last forever. So you, it you feels it. like you're rich by what you're making, but you're not getting rich. You you could have got rich had you... I could have gotten rich had I been smart, like my lawyer told me to. Get out when you're on top, not when you're on bottom. Right. Don't let them make you get out. Get out because you want to get out. So um, we moved into an apartment, and he took over the bills, and I've never been homeless again. So he, he made you the dinner, found out you were going to get evicted. You told him you were going to move. He said, I'll get you an apartment, but I won't live you. But then he did live with he you. He did live with me. And I was like, yeah. uh, your credit, because he had really good credit, and he believed in paying his bills. So we moved down the street from an apartment I already had. And so I was like, I guess we go together. <laughs> How long before you got married then after that? Uh, about a year later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he sounds like a pretty great, great guy. He is a great guy. Well, maybe guy. I'll get to meet him the next time I come back to Indianapolis or, or when you guys all move out here, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he don't want to move out here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. But, you know, he helped me out, you know, like, and I was just telling my friends today, I said, this is a person that never judged me. I mean, I can literally look over there and say, how you spell we? He'll look at me and say, W-E. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first met his mom, my name, my dope, my, you know, my street name was Rabbit. He, 
He said, look, I can't, his mom is a really big Christian freak. So he's like, I can't take you home to my mama's name. You know, tell my mama your name is Rabbit. What is your name? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I said, like, oh, it's Patricia. Been, <laughs> oh, come on, Miss Fat. I'm serious. I had been called Patricia. I mean, Rabbit all my fucking, rarely did I use my real name. Uh-huh. Never. I didn't need my real name. So I was you, fucking Rabbit. So you didn't even become Patricia until I you met, met your husband's mother. He's the first mother. person to ever call me Pat. Really, literally, other than school. Uh-huh. My, everybody, my baby daddy, I can call him right now. He'll tell you, he'll say, what, Rabbit? All your friends, they call you All what? my friends call me Rabbit. And I had to force them over the years of being my husband. I said, she's no more. He's the only person in my life that still call me Rabbit, my first baby daddy. Nobody. Because I stopped him. I said, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm grown. I'm married. That life is behind That's me. That's over. Don't call me Rabbit. I hate to be called Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I hate it, but he calls me Rabbit. I can literally dial the phone right now, and he'll say, what, Rabbit? Uh-huh. You want to hear him? said, no. Okay. <laughs> you still call him up, though? That I guy. I talk to him, yeah, I do. I, I suppose I, you, know, you got children together, you got... No, the kids are grown. I don't, I'm not built like that, Jake. I mean, I mean, I consider everybody, I, I don't take people for what you say they are. I take people for who they are. Even though you, if you ever, if we ever fall out, you fuck me, I couldn't hate you. God didn't build me to hate. Mm-hmm. God built me to keep it moving. Okay, I can't, I don't know how to hate. And I still talk to him. All I ask him to do is don't get sexual. When he comes to me talking sexual, it pisses me off. He still does that. Off and on, he tries, but I've trained him over the years. Don't talk to me like that. Uh-huh. And now, since a lot of these stories are coming up and I'm going to be using them for a lot of stuff, uh, I was talking to him the other day and we was talking. He wanted to reminisce about me. Uh-huh. So I told him, he's married now. So I said, don't reminisce about me. I said, because it's no good there. He's like, we did have some good. I don't fucking remember. I remember being shot, beat on, cheated on, fucking molest, no childhood, you know, on and on and on. I said, don't reminisce about me. So he called me up the next day and he said, I said, because I, said, I think it's disrespectful to reminisce about us in front of your wife. He called me up the next day and said, well, my wife said, it's okay for me to reminisce about you. It ain't nothing wrong reminiscing. He said, it must be something wrong with you. I said, it is something wrong with me, you motherfucker. You took my childhood. I was 12 years old, getting fucked by a 22-year-old man. I did not finish school because you fucking pumped two kids in my life, and you fucking took everything from me that I was supposed to have as a kid. This motherfucker said, I said, I said, I was 12 years old. You know what he came back with? Well, your mind and, boy, your mind and body wasn't 12. And Jake, that shit kicked me in my chest like a horse. And he ain't been able to hurt me in 21 years. But that day, that shit destroyed me. And I called my manager and I called my husband. This dirty motherfucker said this to me. Well, he's, and, he's trying to make it sound like it's your your it fault is. what he and then did. He told and, me that's, he said, and that's just not yeah, true. Yeah, he said, uh, you know he that. said, yeah, he said, uh, he said, well, you know what abortion clinic was? Bitch, I didn't even know how to catch a buzz. So what do I know about abortion clinic? Yeah. Really? A 12-year-old, a 13-year-old pregnant by a 22-year-old man? Not only that, you didn't even have the decency to take me to no fucking hotel. You fucking me in empty houses and graveyards in your car, you dirty bastard. That's what I'm saying. I can't believe you're still in touch with that guy. Yes, I am. I still talk. And you know my grandma was saying? She said, maybe, I think, Jake, I, I need some. I need an apology. I, I don't know what it is because I don't really like him. And I don't really just call him up. You know, I call him up because I'm doing stuff for my story. But, like, I, I, 
I just recently locked his number in my phone. And I and when he say my name, it almost peels the skin out of my body. I don't hate him. I don't hate him. But like I want him to see what he did to me and admit to me what he did was wrong. You might not ever get him to understand it, but you might get him to say that he's sorry if you tell him that, that you gotta you gotta decide what you really want from him. I don't know what I really want. Well from you, him. you figure it out and then you yeah. tell him and you, you see if he can come across with it you know i mean i'm not a therapist i, I mean, you've I mean way more than me but that's what it just sounds like to me and, and, and that's what my godmom said she said you need something from him and i said i don't know and my daughter brought him back into my life because when my when i moved yeah. from indy to atlanta she started building a relationship with him and so that kind of like brought him back into my life because i'm in my daughter's life and i try not to be mean and ugly like he told my daughter i wasn't there for you because your mama didn't want me there well motherfucker you never picked up the phone when i was with this man to even call yeah. i had to find you when your daughter graduated and invite you to the graduation yeah. you knew about all these kids you knew mm-hmm. my do- it was time for my daughter to graduate. You kind of, I, I raised your nieces. So you know if your niece is living with me, you still kind of know what the fuck I'm doing. You yeah. never ever picked up the phone and yeah. say, how my kids are doing. You didn't give a fuck. That's why you didn't care. You, and not only that, you never said thank you to the man who stood in for you. You know what I'm saying? Your kids never got molested and got fucked and had a baby. Went through what I went through. I never allowed... Your daughter never was beat on and shot by a motherfucker and mistreated. Uh-huh. You never stood in and said thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Never paid child support till they was in their 20s. Well, wait. When you talk about his nieces, who who is that? Okay. His sister was on crack. Oh, God. His sister was on crack. So she had three girls. I took care of his fucking sister three girls for years, and they still. So you had your sisters four, his sisters three, and your two. Yeah, because wait a minute. First, I okay. I had my, when I met my husband. I had my. I already was raising his sister three girls. They was living with me. So you had five then. Five then, off and on. So when I met uh, my husband, I was like, well, I can't go here with all these kids. So his niece said, treats and little black stayed with me. I don't know where Chaquana went. I think she stayed over there with her mom. So that was always there. So we had this whole thing where, like, you said you would never leave us. But I'm like, but I got a man. What, what am I supposed to do? Y'all got kids. Y'all are grown. Because by this time, they're in the 10th and 9th grade. So I tried to give them back, but it didn't really work out. So my niece said, Treat ended up staying with me the longest. And, you, and then I had taught my niece little black how to sell dope. So she was out there selling dope in the street. And I'm oh, my God. Out. Hold another. Hold now another. we're getting back into it again. Now we're getting back into it. Now yeah. we got to. We gotta, <laughs> what I was trying to what I was trying to talk about. Is I raised something. a lot of kids in my life. Yeah, which you was did. Your sister three and my sister four. And so, you know. And you're still a young you're still a young person. I'm still, yeah, I'm still young. Yeah. I'm, it was kids raising kids. Yeah, no kidding. Well, so this is what I wanted to to kind of end on. I, I love I love what Miss Troop said to you, and I wanted to just kind of ask about, you know, when you were talking about that time in your life where you just pushed it pushed it down, you know, when you just said, look, that the, when you got the abortion, you just... You just said, or not the abortion, the miscarriage. When you're with your husband, you had the mm-hmm. miscarriage, and you you, you, push talk, away. you, you tell just push it, push it down. And then what you just said, you're not about being angry. You're about no. keeping it moving. Keeping do it you moving. feel like that? Do you feel like there's a little change between that that time and this time? How you are now? Or do you feel like those are both sort of the same thing? Because that seemed more like a just gutting it out and being tough and gritting your teeth, as opposed to now you. 
I still, I mean, I still have, the, I still have that. Uh, I still, I, I think I still have that thing where I don't let stuff get to me to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, just to keep me sane, to keep me from getting depressed. I know how to deal with stuff in my life. Like mm-hmm. I don't, like I, I have this thing where, where I'm working on my one woman show where I say, you know, uh, it's nothing. It's uh, the, one of the greatest things I've learned in life. There's nothing wrong with getting knocked down. The problem comes when you don't get up. So right. I, don't, I don't mind you taking my feet with up on me. It's just as long as I can get. It's just as long as I make myself get back up. So I still, I think I still deal with stuff like, I guess you would call it cold blooded. I block it out. Mm-hmm. But I don't have that much pain in my life anymore. <laughs> but do you ever have a good cry, or do you just? I, kinda, I just cried yesterday because I mean, with my meaning I'm doing the, my, the thing that we're working on. One of the things I have to do is gather these stories, and boy, do they hurt. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I talk about the stuff on stage that doesn't affect, doesn't that I've gotten over. Like I told, I wrote down a story where um, my mama didn't show up for my fifth, my fifth or sixth grade graduation. I can't remember, but it's like two times in life that she let me down, and I say you never get an opportunity to ever fucking let me down again, woman. And the two times were Black History Month. I always play either Lena Horne or Coretta Scott King. They don't do this in the white community. <laughs> but every time they gave me those two women. So this year I was Coretta Scott King. My mom had to at lie. school, it's like at a school. show. It's like a Yeah, you had to yeah. stand up and speak. My husband is Mother the King. Yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. So um I had my mom a furry coat with fur around, I was brown eyed, act like I was Coretta Scott King. I begged my mom said, Mama, don't get drunk today. I'm in this play. Please come. I want you to see me play Coretta Scott King. So I'm standing on stage playing Coretta Scott King and studied looking around and there's nobody there for me. So I'm trying to hold back these tears, you know, like, fuck, you don't come for nothing. Then the whole big thing where I was like, fuck you. When I actually said in my mind, fuck my mama was when I uh, graduated from uh, elementary school. It was either fifth or sixth grade. I can't remember what it was. It could have been a play. That's how Mm -hmm. my mind probably fucked up. But um, everybody's parents was there watching their kids graduate. Mm -hmm. And those little Polaroid, those little disposable camera, I assume uh-huh, it uh-huh. just came out. Because I remember going from Polaroid to those things. And everybody just flashing and flashing. And I'm thinking to myself, my mama, my dad, with her Polaroid camera, watching me graduate. And dude, I walked across that stage and walked down those steps, and you go out back and everybody family together. And it was no fucking body there for me. Oh. And that shit floored me. And everybody was like, why is she crying? But nobody knew. That I, I, I assume nobody knew that I was crying because nobody was there for me. Uh-huh. That I could hand. You know how they give you the little diploma? Yeah, you want to give it blank? to you. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody I've got a daughter who's who's nine right now, so I know what well, it's like. I, well, I, you, had it, to hold, I had to hold my paper because there was nobody there for me to get my paper to. Yeah. And uh-huh. I told myself, you, I, I got home. <laughs> I'm kind of tearing up, but I got home that day. And I was like, why didn't you come? And my mom said, I want to go Mr. Young in the wrestling for that shit. No. And I said to myself, bitch, you would never get an opportunity to hurt me like this again. And I just walked away. I said, okay, I understand. But but I don't fault my mom. My mom did the best that she could do. I think my mama didn't have nobody in her life to show her what to do with kids. So my mama raised us probably what she saw or how she was raised. Just so happened when I got kids, I got better friends in my life, better people in my life who was there to guide me. Because I could have, my sister ended up like my mom. Mm -hmm. 
I just had, I, it was in my mind that I would not end up like you people. I believe you stole me anyway. <laughs> I always thought I was in the wrong family. <laughs> you, thought, you thought your mother stole you. I thought that they just mixed up the Medicaid babies. I swear. I said, I, this uh, can't be my fucking family. These Negroes are crazy. Well, I think that's a, a lot of people can feel like that in there. Yeah. You so, know, you know and I, that's the last time she ever heard of me. And I never, I mean, my hub. And, and, How old were you then? Shit, I, probably, I don't know about 10. Yeah. I didn't have no kids then. So but, she hurt you for the last time before you before all of this other stuff that we oh, were talking yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just told, I just told, I didn't tell her. I said, I said, because I would curse her out of my mind because I was scared of her. You don't curse her. And then I always knew, I went to a church across the street from my house, and I knew if you, I believed if you talk back, you disrespect your parents, you're showing your days on your life. That's what they told us in church. But, um, I just said, you'll never hurt me again, bitch. Mm-hmm. The young and the restless was more important than you coming to get this blank sheet of paper I had for you. Mm-hmm. And and when she died, I hated her. I fucking hated her. And I remember when she died, I had to pay for her funeral. And um, because she didn't have no insurance, she died at 39. And I remember sitting there saying, you know, I paid for her funeral. I, I, was, I cried a little bit, not much. And... I had this burden on me that felt, it always, you felt like somebody was sitting in your chest. And I was like, I'm over it. She dead. It, it had been almost a year. And I was like, what is it? And what it was is I was toting around hatred for my mom and for Daryl. And I had to go pray and ask for forgiveness. Daryl is. My baby dad. Yeah. Once I prayed, it was lifted off my heart. And I never felt that. I never felt that foot in my chest again. Mm-hmm. After I've forgiven both of them, that's a good that's a good ending spot. That's a good ending spot. Now, but I just have one question, yeah. just one more question, because you talk about praying and you talk about God and you talk about all of that stuff. But then when you describe your husband's mother as being super religious, yeah, do you feel like do you feel like you're different than her in your in your faith or, or you know because I, I know a lot of people who don't go to church or who don't, don't believe church. in God but I when you but when you talk about it that way when you talk about what you're asking for and, and you're really kind of reaching into yourself to touch I think I think almost. all of us do I think uh, I, I mean with me I think all of us go to God in different situations I mean I think I truly believe like um, faith is at, at a certain level. You know, I, I deal with, and it's kind of crazy, like, I pick a good person by your, by your spirit, and I think God has given me that ability to pick up, and that's probably why I never really got fucked on a kidnap or kill, because my mind would say, get up and leave. Every time I was supposed to be busted, my mind would say, get up and leave. I uh-huh. remember hitting the number a whole week straight because God didn't want me on that corner because niggas was killing each other. But for mm-hmm. some reason, I hit the number and I go home and I come back. The police don't lock somebody up or somebody get killed. So as far as dealing with like how how super religion my 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 uh, my mother in law is versus how I dealt with God, I just felt like you know. You didn't have to go to church to be saved. I felt, because I went to church, I felt mm-hmm. like you didn't have to. It's your relationship with God. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of, you know, you listen to black gospel, but they used to say, I had a praying grandmother. And it's this gospel song about having a praying grandma. And she went to the closet to pray for this girl. I think, you know, I always had somebody there praying for me. 
I didn't know it. One of the people that I did know, and it could have been Miss Troop, it could have been Coach Kenzie, it could have been Officer Smart. I don't know who prayed for me, but it was somebody that took out the time to ask God to shield me, to protect me from getting kills and getting AIDS and, you know, being mm-hmm. able to survive the stuff that I went through. And I just picked up a relationship. I believe, you know, I believe he's in the universe. I yeah. really do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, it without without him making me strong, I probably would have ended up on drugs. My everybody got on drugs. Well, so many bad things happen around you. I I just and then well, that's what just to kind of go back. You just to me, you're just such a you got such a positive thing coming out of you, you know. <laughs> and when when people go see your act, do you have a website? You do have a website. Yeah. Well, so say your website so people it's can. MS. Pat, Miss Pat Comedy with an MS. MSPAT Comedy. Yeah. Dot, dot com. Yeah. And then I know you're on Twitter, so I follow you on Twitter. So I'll tweet you when this comes out so okay. you can retweet it and people can then see who you are on Twitter and follow you. But when people come see your act sometimes, you know, you've got you've got all these stories and you kind of come tough, you know, because on stage you you're, you got to be the boss. And uh, underneath all of that and all of these stories, you I'm just... I'm human. Oh, you just have such a good heart, Miss Pat. Oh, yeah. Now, usually I end with a high five, but I think we're going to have a hug. Oh. <laughs> and then let's go eat some lunch, all right? <laughs> all right. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, no problem. <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed Miss Pat. I sure enjoyed talking to her. She is a, she is a, just a wonderful person and uh, terrific to spend time around. And as you can tell, <laughs> you don't need to talk. She's got plenty to say. She has got so many great stories. And uh, we did have a nice lunch after that. And I practically could have recorded that and put that on as an episode. But I'll look forward to seeing Miss Pat next time she's in town. Shout out. Hi, Miss Pat. And uh, I think... I have to say it, because I say it all the time, but don't give up. There is plenty of time to give up later. I'll see you next week. Well, I won't see you. I'll see you. I'm imagining you. I'll see you. I'll see you. appreciate you coming over to be on the podcast. Shit, thank you for having me. God didn't build me to hate. Mm-hmm. God built me to keep it moving.